Hi there, this is Lorenzo, and I'm about to play a preview of this week's podcast. I just now released it in full on my Salon 3.0 feed on Patreon. However, three months from now, this entire podcast will also be available here on the original RSS feed for the Salon. The reason for this change in scheduling is simple. Now that I'm in my late 70s, I've found that in order to pay the rent and buy food, well, I'm going to need a little more money than my Social Security check provides each month. For almost 14 years now, I've resisted the offers that I've had from commercial sponsors, and I've kept these podcasts advertising free. And this is my attempt to continue podcasting commercial-free. In May of 2017, I launched a Patreon site where my supporters send me a dollar or more each month. And after a year and a half, there are now 150 people who are supporting me on Patreon. And for them, and hopefully the others who will join them, my way of saying thank you is to give them a three-month head start on listening to these podcasts, which are now in their 14th year, as I just said. So in just a moment, I'll play the introduction of today's program, and I'll follow that with a few sound bites from the talk itself. After that, I'll be back with the details about how you can also become a $1 a month supporter and not only receive these podcasts early, but you'll also be able to join us every Monday evening for a live edition of the Salon. And it's actually a true salon. I host it on zoom.us, which you can access directly through your browser, and you can join in the discussion or just lurk if you prefer. I hope you'll join us there. Now, here is the introduction to this week's podcast, and I'll follow that with a few brief sound bites from the program itself. Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And I would like to begin today with a couple of announcements. First of all, since I'm posting this on November 11th, my wife and I would like to wish a happy Veterans Day to all of us veterans. <laughs> you see, uh, both my wife and I are military veterans as well. But to be honest, I've never really been able to think of this day as Veterans Day because during the first 12 years of my life, it was called Armistice Day and it commemorated the formal end of World War I hostilities. When I was in school, I was taught that World War I ended on the 11th second of the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. Actually, I've always wondered who came up with that hour-minute-second idea because, well, it always sounded kind of superstitious to me. Back in the uh, 1950s, when I was in grammar school, we also sold little cloth poppies around this time. And uh, this was in remembrance of the sacrifices that were made by the women and men in uniform during World War I, and I believe the tradition started in England, if I'm not mistaken. Now, one of the frequent visitors to our home when I was a boy was my godfather, who was also a World War I veteran. Floyd Bates was his name, and I wrote a short bit about him in Volume 1 of my Chronicles, which you can download for free, by the way. Anyway, uh, every November, Bates would bring over a bag of poppies for me to take to school and sell, along with a can to collect some donations. Since I was the only one in my small Catholic grade school who sold poppies each year, 
I was allowed to go from classroom to classroom and solicit donations in exchange for a poppy. Well, this was a really poor school, and so I never collected more than a few odd coins. But I gave a lot of poppies away to my friends to wear on the 11th. So when I returned home, I would have to take some of my own precious savings and add it to the donation jar to make up for all the poppies that I gave away. (laughs) And by the way, I didn't do this because I was a good guy. I did it simply because it made me feel good. Feel good about myself. And, uh, well, until right now, I've never told anyone about having done that. It's been my little secret all these years. However, uh, since Bates and my parents are all now long gone, well, (laughs) I don't have to fess up to them. So, it's okay if you know. Wow, (laughs) where did that come from? Let me restart. Uh, Today is Veterans Day, and tomorrow will be the premiere of a film that I mentioned two weeks ago. It's titled From Shock to Awe, and it is about healing military veterans with the use of psychedelic medicines. Did you know that over two and a half million Americans have served in Afghanistan and Iraq since 2001? And almost 20% of them have already been diagnosed with PTSD. To give you an idea of how serious this problem is, every day another 22 vets suffering from PTSD commit suicide. And these veteran suicides are nothing new. They've been taking place without coming to the forefront of our awareness since before the American War in Vietnam. And fortunately, there are now several psychedelic medicines that have been shown to have potential, at least, to lessen the intensity of the symptoms of PTSD that these women and men are going to have to carry forward with them for the rest of their lives. From Shock to Awe premieres tomorrow, November 12, 2018, across the U.S. with a special one-night event titled Coming Home. Beyond Veterans Day. And that event includes several theatrical screenings in over 25 cities, followed by a live Q&A with the cast and the filmmakers. Additionally, the film launches a social impact campaign aimed at empowering people with information and opening a dialogue about the trauma of PTSD. I've been fortunate to have seen an early screening of this movie, and I can attest to the fact that it makes a very powerful point about the depth of despair that people suffering from PTSD must endure. And I hope that you will be able to see this important film for yourself. And there's another movie that I'd like to tell you about as well. It's titled More Joy, Less Pain, and it combines several storylines. For one, it presents one of the most in-depth, up-close and personal explorations of the psychedelic medicine SAPO uh, that I've seen yet, anyhow. And the other main psychoactive preparation that's featured in this film is ayahuasca. The storyline tying these jungle medicines together is about the man that Terence McKenna once called the most knowledgeable white man in the jungle. And that man is Peter Gorman, the former editor of High Times Magazine and someone who's been featured here in the salon, uh, well, several times with his interviews of elders like uh, Dr. Albert Hoffman. And, uh, by the way, if you haven't heard that interview, it's in podcast number 280, which I published on September 2nd in 2011, and in my opinion, it's a real classic. For example, during this telephone interview, Peter actually puts Dr. Hoffman on hold to take another call, and (laughs) that incoming call happened to be from Laura Huxley. Uh, Fortunately, that whole exchange was recorded and is part of the podcast. 
My favorite part of Peter's interview with Hoffman, however, is uh, the part where the good doctor gets Peter to pay him, pay him a fee for the interview. <laughs> I don't want to be a spoiler here, but, I, well, I think that'll give you a chuckle or two yourself. Now, getting back to the point that I was trying to make, the filmmakers of More Joy, Less Pain stopped by for a visit yesterday. They were on their way to Los Angeles where, uh, almost right at this very moment, they are screening their film for a select audience as they prepare it for entry into several film festivals. And uh, to give you a little more information about this film and about Peter and the medicines, Michael and Jeff are going to be with us here one week from tomorrow. That'll be November 19th, 2018, for the 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time, live version of this psychedelic salon. As you know, every Monday night at the same time, I host a live version of the salon. And from time to time, we have guests visiting us. And some of those conversations, well, they might also turn into podcasts, as did the uh, recent live salon with David Nichols, which you heard a few weeks ago in podcast number 586. And I should also let you know that the new Salon 3.0 track on my Patreon feed is growing by leaps and bounds. In the past seven days, almost 50 new supporters have joined me on Patreon. And in addition to hearing these podcasts on the Salon 3.0 track three months early, well, they also get to join us in the live version of the Salon every Monday. So if you have an extra dollar to spare each month, we'd love to have you join us as well. Now, for today's talk, we are returning to the August 1989 Terrence McKenna workshop that we heard the introduction to last week. And as you'll hear now, the workshop begins with a demonstration of some ancient wind instruments that were brought back from South America by Terrence's close friend, Ken Symington. And as you'll learn, sound apparently played an important role in, well, at least one of the ancient civilizations that filled the Americas before the European invasions. So now here is Terence McKenna opening the Saturday morning session of his August 1989 workshop at the Esalen Institute near Big Sur, California. Drumming has never particularly done it for me in, except that it induces a kind of state of uh, withdrawal from sensory input from the environment. You know, you just kind of sink into it. So if any of you are experimentalists or headed for a career in medical research or something like that, these are the kinds of, uh, of things that lie right on the surface to, that need to be looked into before we go deeper. Uh, is do things like this imply perhaps more advanced technologies? Uh, what can you do with a synthesizer? Uh, we don't know what values they were trying to achieve with their sound, so we don't know whether they regarded these as a, a perfect instrument for what they were trying to do, or an unfortunate approximation. We'll probably never know because the people who made these things uh, did no writing. But uh, since this is a sophisticated room full of travelers, maybe there can be feedback on this. I've noticed this thing in mushrooms um, above five grams where there is what I call the zinger. And the zinger... It's 
feels like a cosmic ray that your body is detecting. It lasts only about that long. It lasts a fraction of a second. And it's like an electrical reset of your whole body. And it just, it's a zing. And it goes through and it's very intense and it lasts a fraction of a second. And about the only thing you can say about it is it would probably be quite alarming if it lasted even slightly longer but it never does. It feels like a high-speed particle just passed through your frontal lobes or something. Do you, any of you know what I'm talking about? And throughout the weekend, whenever there's an opportunity to indicate a place where experimental strategies might be helpful, I'll try to mention it because I, my fantasy is that some of you are the neurophysiologists neuropsychopharmacologists, psychotherapists of the future, and that, you know, once you get your $5 million NIMH grant, you'll remember what old Professor McKinney said (laughs) and create protocols to look into some of these things. I mean, it is not for want of, of experimental approaches that experiment floundered. It was for want of courage on the part of the scientific community to carry out that kind of work. Obviously, the people who built these things had no such qualms. Uh, they, they were going for it. I'm a basically paranoid person anyway. I mean, if I'm 300 miles up the Yaguas Yasu in Colombia and I'm out in the jungle smoking a joint and a twig snaps, the first thing I do is hide my dope and then see what's going on. Now, this probably has to do with an accumulating planetary instability. And we'll talk about this more. There is an accumulating planetary instability. The last hundred million years have been the most dynamic in the history of the Earth since its formation. Of that hundred million years, the last ten million has been the most dynamic. Of that ten million, the last million. Of that million, the last ten thousand. So the planet is fluctuating. Now we're on the scene. We are causing planetary fluctuations uh, uh, of a sort never before seen. And an interesting thing that we'll see again and again in talking about these hallucinogenic plants is how many of them are related to domesticated plants. I mean, the ergot of rye... uh, even you could stretch it to include the intoxicating mead made from honey. Bees are a domesticated creature very early in the Middle East. So there's something a little eerie about the way these hallucinogens cluster right where we will find them. This isn't true in all cases. Peyote, Banisteriopsis capi, uh, Tabernantha iboga, But in the major cases that have impacted human beings, it has been because they were associated with foods. Well, that should give you a little idea of what the rest of this talk was like. 
As you know, uh, in three months I'll be adding the full edition of this podcast here on this original Psychedelic Salon podcast feed. However, if you're willing and able to support me as I continue to press on with both podcasting and writing, well, I'd really appreciate it. With a donation of only $1 a month, you'll be able to listen to these podcasts in full as soon as they're posted, and you'll be able to join in a weekly online live version of the salon. Hopefully, you'll see your way to adding your support to the ongoing work of the Psychedelic Salon. And for more information about how to do this, well, just go to psychedelicsalon.com and click the Patreon link at the top of the page. I hope to see you there.